Today's reading is from Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 14. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Well, thank you, Philippa, for reading for us. Good morning to you all. Well, as Kevin has helpfully reminded us, uh, we have come to the third and final part of our One Another series, which we've been looking at intermittently over the summer. And um, yes, this passage was, was uh, studied by the small local groups uh, last week. So it's good to know there's no pressure on the preacher this morning, isn't it? Although my prayer is that we may leave here today reminded afresh of this important command as we land on verse 13. But before we do that, there's much to do, so let me pray. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Almighty God, our prayer this morning is that as we listen to those words, that you will teach our hearts and help us to do exactly this. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, 2021 has been an interesting year so far, hasn't it? So much has changed, and so many of our freedoms are still taken away from us. But we thank God, don't we, that for the last six months or so, we have still been able to meet together as church. And particularly over the last ten weeks, we've seen many of our loved church family come back. The building is starting to feel full. And it's great, isn't it? It's absolutely brilliant that everyone is back. And now it looks as though we're only three weeks away from the removal of masks and social distancing. Yeah. So we're not far off normal, are we? Now I wonder, what has lifted your heart the most since we've been back? 
I imagine it's the fact that we can actually physically meet together and see each other. We can have coffee again. We can meet and share our lives and we can speak about what the Lord is doing in and through us together. I think for me it's been fantastic to see the body of Christ at work, particularly last week, the open weekend, it was fantastic. It's a society to behold when the body of Christ comes together and we know that many things have to come together for that to work because we have to have lots of things and people come together. If we don't have that, then then our, uh, our ministries won't function well, particularly as we come to uh, proclaim the gospel. But not just on a Sunday, but throughout the week as well. But with that comes its challenges, because we are relying on each other. And as we know, that doesn't always go well, does it? After all, we're all different, and we've got our little quirks and our little habits. So maybe some of us, we just can't help but be late, even when we're singing in the band, or perhaps we're serving in the children's group. Or perhaps it's uh, your bad timekeeping, which always leads to your wife being upset with you again as you're in the overflow room rather than in the main church. Or perhaps you're forgetful and unorganised. We realise as we park the car at ten past ten, we're supposed to be on the welcome team today. Or we're supposed to prepare the coffee for the fellowship. Or dare I say it, you're due to lead the prayers and you've forgotten and you're unprepared and you've got to ask one of the staff or leadership to step in for you. But it isn't just Sundays that these quirks affect. Maybe it's been a long day and you're due on a Zoom call for a one-to-one Bible study with your reading partner and you've forgotten. Or you turn up to the youth group on a Friday night You're due to lead the 15-minute warm-up game and you haven't even checked your emails. You've got no idea you're on. Now let me stress, these are made-up scenarios, but they may have happened over the years. (laughs) But if and when it does happen, how should we react? You know, maybe sometimes we just can't help feel inside frustrated, maybe a little bit annoyed. But I think for many of us, we just shrug these things off, don't we? I mean, after all, we are British. But what about when it's a little bit more serious than a fellow lovable Christian's quirkiness? What about when we are wronged by a fellow Christian and a fellow Christian directly sins against us? So you've been shouted at by a fellow brother and sister in Christ because they're really unhappy with you for something you've said or something you've done, and it's really angered them. Or you have a difference of opinion over a ministry issue and you feel belittled. Or your service in a team is criticised. Or perhaps someone in your small local group didn't agree with your view on a piece of scripture, and they've been talking about it with others, and now you feel really embarrassed. Or maybe it's more personal than that. You feel you're being judged by a Christian friend for a specific life choice that you've made. Or perhaps someone in the church is gossiping about you, or your spouse, or your rebellious teenager's behaviour. How do you react? Do you retaliate? Do you mull things over and become bitter and withdraw from that relationship? Or do you forgive? Well, as we get back to normal church over the coming weeks and months, this topic of forgiving one another 
might and possibly will become real for us. So it's a, it's a really important subject. As at, at some point in our lives, we will all either need forgiveness from others or know that we need to forgive someone. So we must acknowledge straight away that forgiveness is difficult, as it may bring up some really hurtful memories. And we must also acknowledge that forgiving one another is something that we have all failed in, and that includes within the church. After all, the one thing that we have all got in common here this morning, as we gather, is that we're sinners and we get things wrong. So I want to stress this morning is not about judging our past failures in this area. No, we want to grow. And as we track through this passage in Colossians together, I believe the Lord is going to really help us to do that. As we unpack firstly, why? Why don't we forgive? Secondly, what is our motivation to forgive? And thirdly, why can and will we forgive? So that's where we're going. So firstly, why don't we forgive? Because of the old self. C.S. Lewis once said, everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until he has something to forgive. Now those are striking words, I think. And I think it really helps us uh, sum up the view the world has on forgiveness. Yes, deep down we know we should do it, But when it comes to the crunch, we can't. I've been wronged in some shape or form, and there's now a debt that's owed to me. And it seems we have like an inbuilt allergic reaction to wanting to forgive and absorb the debt and to not hold a grudge. No, instead, we are pulled to do the opposite and do as the world tells us. So we want to get even. I've been wronged, I've been hurt, I don't deserve that. But herein lies the problem, because the world says it's all about me. And that's the state we are all in, and we have been in since the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden, where we saw the birth of humanity's sinful nature. And ever since then, our wrong desires have ruled us. Now Paul lists some of those in uh, verse 5. We're immoral, impure, lustful, evil, greedy. And this manifests itself in our actions and how we treat each other. Again, Paul goes on to list this. Anger, rage, malice, slander. And we see this all around us, don't we? Social media, news feeds are full of stories of men and women, young and old, mistreating others in the forms of violence and abuse with not a hint of sorrow for their actions. But we also see more subtle, off-the-radar deceitful deeds, don't we, in the form of words, maybe of prejudice or hatred. But we don't need the internet to see or to feel the truth of this, do we? Because we witness it every day in our daily lives. So your colleague at work has had a week off, And they return to a mountain of paperwork and problems which they know could and should have been dealt with in their absence. And you can see it in their face. They are angry. Inside, there's an emotional reaction of displeasure. 
they're annoyed. Or someone has been mean or even bullying your best friend's child. What does your friend do? They go into attack mode. They get on the phone, they're screaming at the school, or maybe they're screaming at another parent. And they tell you they can't help but have thoughts of malice, a desire for revenge, and a hope for comeuppance. Or someone has been gossiping about your friend and spreading lies. And of course you feel it's right to tell them, don't you? But unfortunately your your friend reacts in exactly the same way. And they retaliate by slandering their now enemy in response. If you can't beat them, join them. No sign of forgiveness. Now all of these are examples of how the sinful, unredeemed heart naturally responds to being wronged. And we're just blind to it. We can't see it. But it comes from inside of us, our hearts. And Jesus reminds us of this in Matthew 15. What comes out of the mouth reveals the heart. And this is our natural state. We have all been born into sin, and there are no exceptions. <clears throat> Excuse me. And this leaves us in, in immense danger. Now remember back in the garden, what was Adam and Eve's sin? It was rejection of God. They wanted to be in charge, they wanted to have the crown, and they wanted to be king. God had lavished them with blessing after blessing, most importantly, the blessing of himself in a relationship of love. But they said, no, we will do it our own way. Thank you very much. And that's our story as well, isn't it? Because we too naturally reject our maker, our creator, and our sustainer. The one who has offered us everything, everything we could possibly need. The one who wants to shower us with his blessing and his goodness. No thanks. We say no. And we decide to clothe ourselves in our worldly, or as Paul puts it, earthly nature. In verse 5. And this has eternal consequences for us all. Because it means we're headed in one direction and one direction only. The uh, death, the grave, a place without God. As his holiness, sorry, as his holiness will not and cannot be with or tolerate sin. So we're in trouble. We now owe a huge unpayable debt to God because of our rejection of him. And it is now us who need forgiveness. We are the ones in the wrong, and we face the wrath and righteous judgment of a holy God. And deep down, we know it's what we deserve. And when we stand in the courtroom of heaven, before our creator, and have a list of our sins read out, Can we really expect to be forgiven for the debt that we owe? Well, it is here that we see the glory of God, his mercy. And at this point, we can begin to change. And we see our motivation to forgive others 
And that leads us to our second point. We can forgive because at the cross we are forgiven. The eternal son, the one who was there at the beginning of time, the one who all things were made through and for, the one who deserves all praise and honour, he would come from his place of glory and honour with his father and he would lay down his majesty and come to be crucified at Calvary. Our Lord Jesus, he took off his crown of perfection and righteousness and he swapped it for a crown of thorns as he was stripped bare and bleeding. Why? Luke 23, verse 34, Jesus said from the cross, Father, forgive them. God, in the person of his son, would show mercy and come and be the substitute for sinners and pay the debt that we all owe. Jesus' perfect, sinless life given in exchange for our imperfect life of sin and rejection so that we can be restored, pardoned, reconciled, redeemed, forgiven. And as Jesus hung on that cross, he was paying for all of your sin and mine. As his blood poured out, a fountain of mercy was opened up to all those that have rejected God and lived in a way that's abhorrent to him. Jesus absorbed the Father's wrath and judgment on sin as he died. And as he went to the grave, he took all of our debt with him. All of it, it's gone. Now I imagine that some of us here, we know what being in debt feels like. It's horrible. And it can weigh you down with that weight of knowing that you owe someone or something you just can't pay. It's a horrible, horrible feeling and it's a huge burden. Maybe some of you are feeling that right now. And maybe some of us have actually felt the relief of when someone has stepped in and paid our debt and we just think, we feel amazed that all that burden's taken off us. Well, for those of us in Christ, that is our experience. Our old lives of sin and the judgment that deserves are buried with Christ. And we're set free. It's just incredible Marvel at the mercy shown to us by our Lord Jesus. And it is at this point when we are those that truly understand our vertical forgiveness from God in Christ, it's then that we can become those who are able to do the horizontal forgiveness of each other. So if we have been shown mercy, shouldn't we show mercy to others? If we have been pardoned, shouldn't we be those that pardon others? If we have been forgiven, shouldn't we be those that forgive others? Well, Jesus himself taught his disciples this very point in Matthew 18, 
which is a section of the gospel that Jesus taught about what it looks like to be part of his kingdom. And as he told the parable of the unmerciful servant, which I'm sure many of us know, his point was simple and clear. A follower of Jesus, a disciple, a Christian, forgives a brother or sister from his heart because they recognise that they themselves have been forgiven a great debt. Now I know that for most of us here this morning, this is nothing new. This is the gospel of grace that we have all trusted in and put our lives in. But it is good to be reminded of the core, the core of this truth, that our forgiveness is a pure act of mercy. And in this act of mercy and forgiveness of us, we now have the motivation to forgive others, driven by the love and mercy shown to us in Christ. And it will happen. It will happen because, verse 3, you died and your life is now hidden with Christ. Verse 7, no longer will we walk in our old ways and live the life we used to live. Because we have been made new. And because of that, we will now be those who can and will forgive. Because we are made new in Christ. That's our last point. I want to read verses 1 and 2. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. When Jesus rose from the grave in all of his splendour and glory, those that trust in his death in their place are raised with him. The old life, sin and death, gone, and we're made new. Clothed in his righteousness, we have a new identity in Christ. We are transformed into his image by the Holy Spirit. We're given a new heart, a new character, a new will. And no longer will we be those ruled by the world. Because instead, we set our hearts and minds on the values and principles of heaven, where we see Christ seated at the right hand of God. That is what Paul is calling all believers to in verses 1 and 2. We must take on a heavenly perspective of life, which will now emerge naturally from our new identity. And the negatives that Paul listed in the earlier verses, or in verse 5 and 8, sorry, they are now replaced with new attitudes and behaviours. We clothe ourselves in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, as we read in verse 12. And these are the virtues and fruit seen in the life of a sinner who's been transformed by and through a relationship with Christ. It's wonderful, isn't it? And if you've given your life to Jesus, and if you have put on the new shit self, you're no longer a slave to sin, you're now a slave to righteousness. 
So what is this going to look like for us in practice? How is it going to affect our daily lives as individuals and as we interact with each other as Christians and as a church? Let me read verses 12 through to 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Now we know here that Paul is speaking directly to the church because of the language that he's using. Chosen people, holy, dearly loved. This was how Israel was described, God's chosen people in the Old Testament. And the church, now born in a new identity in Christ, is the new Israel. We are a new humanity, a new community. We have been made holy and set apart. So our lives together as community should look different in our conduct and our attitudes towards each other. And this is fleshed out in verse 13. Bear with each other and forgive each other. And this is more than just Christian kindness and patience. This is a necessary step in establishing our community together. Because we recognise, don't we, that we're all different. Every church is made up of all different types of folk. But the church of Jesus Christ transcends the boundaries of religious and ethnic backgrounds and whatever our worldly history is or our social status. So as we meet and serve together, we must bear with those who are maybe a little bit different to us. And we must remember we are all bound together in Christ. Because of Christ, we're all equal. So I am no more holy than you, and you are no more chosen than me. God sees all of us through the lens of Jesus. We are all dearly loved. So if the next time you're frustrated or annoyed with your brother or sister in Christ, remember one thing, remember these things. God loves that person just as much as he loves you. God uses that person in his kingdom just as much as he uses you. And if God can bear with that person, then maybe you can too. After all, he puts up with you and he puts up with me. But of course it's more than that. We are called to do more than just bear with each other. And in the times when we hurt each other, when we cause pain to each other, we've got to forgive from the heart. And it's in these times where we must cling to that new self because it's characterised in Jesus and the way that he lived and conducted himself. And we must imitate our saviour because he graciously forgave us. And clothed in the new self, we will be able to do that. And we will be able to let it go 
and not hold on to that hurt and pain. And we will forgive and we ourselves will absorb the pain and the debt when we are wronged and we will forgive because we recognise that Christ let go of his majesty and his glory to absorb that pain and debt that we owe to God. We have an amazing saviour. Now I imagine that over the last 20 minutes or so, there might be some questions for us. There certainly are for me. Now maybe you are here with us today and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. But you recognise in yourself the struggles of this sinful life. Well go to Jesus, cry out to him, and you too can be raised to new life, even this morning. Or perhaps as you sit here, not as a believer, you think, well, I don't really struggle in these things. I'm actually quite a kind, compassionate, forgiving person. And I don't really think this applies to me. Well, I know many people like that. Many friends and colleagues who are fantastic people who God in his common grace has allowed to have these sorts of characteristics. But ultimately, if that's you, you still need the forgiveness of Jesus Christ for your sin against God. So please, don't delay. Repent today. But to the believers here this morning, which this passage and subject speaks directly to, I hope you've been reminded of the truth and encouraged. But there may be some here asking the question, Am I really a Christian if I'm struggling in this area? Maybe you're a relatively new believer and you're asking, why am I still getting angry when my pride is hurt? Or you've been a Christian for years, but you still struggle to let go of the little things. And maybe you are asking, why? Why can't I just bear the debt that I feel is owed to me when I'm hurt? I must say, I've asked myself that question this week. And I've come to this conclusion that I'm just a grave robber. We listen to the world and the evil one's lies. And we try and put on the old self again. Well, Jesus says, no, away with you, stay away from that grave. I died so that you could be free and you have no right to bring it up again. But he says that out of his great love to his family, the children of God. So friends, if you are trusting in him, you are his. But perhaps there's just some maturing for you to do. And that's what we've been learning throughout Colossians in our small locals group. And the only way to do that is to fix our eyes on him and him alone. We must continue to live our lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as we were taught, as Paul reminded us in chapter 2. So meditate on him and his word. That is how we will grow and mature. And remember, not only do we have our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, we have each other. So if you're struggling... Speak to someone you trust, a Christian friend, or perhaps one of the staff team or leadership if you've got questions. We will read the word with you. Ultimately, we will point you to Jesus 
and we will pray with and for you. And as we close this morning, and as we close this series on the one and others, just think, what would Christ Church Bansley look like this time next year if we listen to Jesus' commands to love, serve and forgive one another? Well, our hope and prayer is that we would be absolutely full to the rafters. Because we will be taking this gospel out into our community. What a witness we will be. As we strive to live in the world dressed in our new identity in Christ. We will stand out for him. We will be attractive for him. We will shine for him. And we will bring glory to him. And as we meet and gather as church finally under the sense of normality, we will be bound together in love and unity. And the peace of Christ will dwell in our hearts. Well, let's take a moment to reflect on what the Lord said to us this morning. And then the band will come and sing our final song and remind us exactly just how good it is to be in the family of God.